The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. The last two lines of our second hymn struck me. If our love would were but more simple, we should rest upon God's word, and our lives would be illumined by the presence of the Lord. Shall we pray? Teach us, O Christ, the elegance of your simplicity, that we might be found faithful. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's talk about fruit. I I have been on this path of the fruit of the Spirit since January, and I keep coming back to it because I am drawn back to it. And last night at Cairo's Supper, somebody shared with me for the first time, they said, I got them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I did a little happy dance. I know I'm not supposed to do that in public. <laughs> My kids tell me so, but I did it. And, and, and the reason that God keeps bringing me back to this. And, and this is one of the things that, that, that is important for you all to understand about who I am as a, as a pastor and particularly as a preacher. Most of the time when I'm up here, you are hearing or overhearing the conversations that God and I get to have all week long. And it, It takes all week long for me to maybe have a chance to get things right. I mean, that's one of the reasons I believe that God called me to be a pastor, because God said, once I got a hold of you, I knew, John, that you needed to be here more than anybody else. (laughs) You didn't have to laugh quite so loud, Fred. I mean, it's true. (laughs) And here's some things about Galatians 5 and 22 and 23. Paul wrote to the church then and to us, the fruit of the Spirit is, and then lists nine. And for uh, English teachers and folks who have been corrected by English teachers so much, we know that that is not subject and verb agreement and that it's a minus so many points. But Paul was not being grammatically correct to make a deeper point. The fruit singular of the Spirit is singular. That means that it's a fruit salad and they're all in there. It's not a buffet from which we get to pick and choose. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's where we always get hung up. Love, joy, peace, patience. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's where, those are the two that I, patience and, but, but see, here's another important thing to understand 
about fruit and gifts. Gifts of the Spirit are given and received. Fruit, fruit has to be grown. Fruit has to be cultivated. Fruit has to be nourished and nurtured. And the reason for memorizing the nine fruit of the Spirit is that that is part of our nourishing and nurturing of our souls so that we might bear that fruit. Because if I don't know what I'm supposed to grow into because I don't have it in front of my face on a daily basis, I might forget to be patient. <laughs> Anybody who's ridden with me on the highways in Texas say, you need a heads-up display of that, Pastor John. <laughs> Just that one word, patience. That'll help you out. And it would. So fruit, today's stories in the gospel are really all about fruit. They're really all about fruit. And, 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 and they're, they're difficult stories to hear. They're not any easier to proclaim. Jesus was there teaching, and, and somebody said, what about those Galileans who were worshiping? And Pilate killed them. That happened. The Romans didn't tolerate any form, fashion, or inkling of rebellion. That's why on Palm Sunday that we celebrate in a few weeks, we hear the, the Pharisees telling Jesus, tell all these people, be quiet. The Romans might hear it and get upset. Tell them to be quiet. And Jesus asked plainly, well, were they worse sinners than all the rest of the Galileans? And then Jesus himself brings up the people who were killed in the building of a tower of Siloam when it fell. We don't have records of either of these events outside the gospel according to Luke. But there was a turn in the wall by the pool of Siloam, so there very well could have been a tower right there. And, and sometimes those things did happen as they built towers, sometimes they fell. He said, were, were those 18 Jerusalemites worse sinners than everybody else in Jerusalem? And then emphatically, he says, no. So in that no, Jesus is utterly denying a connection between sin and individual suffering. Now, there are logical consequences. I like to cook, and I like to cook things on hot stoves and in hot ovens, and sometimes if you preheat a cast iron pan to cook your cornbread in the oven, and you pull it out with a hot pad and put it on the counter on top of a hot pad and pour your cornbread batter in there, and then you reach to grab it with your hand without a hot pad? I've heard <laughs> that you're going to burn your hand. That's a logical consequence. King David, it says in the springtime, when kings go out to war, David stayed home. That's when he started off into all kinds of trouble. That's a logical consequence. But tragedy, illness, disease, 
things that are capricious, that are beyond our control and responsibility, Jesus completely and forever disconnects them from sin. They have nothing to do with each other. Good and bad things happen to good and bad people. Then Jesus says, after he says that emphatic no, he says, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Now, perish means to be completely destroyed. Repent means to be completely changed. Unless we are completely changed, we will be completely destroyed. And the reason that Jesus makes these points is to say that there are events over which God is not the immediate cause. And because of human freedom and freedom within the created order, God does not have control over every single thing that happens. Ultimately, God's will will be fulfilled. But in the meantime, we have freedom to do what we will, and the process of repentance and transformation is to yield our will to God's will. And that's where Jesus tells us, repent. It provides direction for our lives that we might live in penitent trust of God. But I didn't do anything wrong, Pastor. At least not this week. It's not about confessing for exactly this sin or precisely that sin. It's a matter of attitude. My friend and Air Force Chaplain Buddy Walker um, is also a pilot. And sometimes when, when he's visiting and there's time, he takes me flying in his plane. He has a Cessna 310 twin-engine plane. And he tells me that attitude determines altitude. So I get in the plane and I'm positive. And I'm excited and I'm happy. And I say, buddy, I've got the right attitude. Let's fly. He says, no, John. It's the positioning of the plane in relation to the earth and the atmosphere and the wind and the heat and the weather. Oh. That means that the attitude for the servant of Christ, the Christian, is like this. Or maybe, as the monks, when they make final vows, and it's like this. Jesus then tells this story about a fruitless fig tree, and the crowds like us are, are left silent to wonder Who's the fig tree? And who ain't got no fruit? 
And who's the gardener who says, no, 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 wait, 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 wait one more year. Give it one more chance. Let me do my job better and, 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 and maybe. And who's the owner who has mercy? Jesus introduces both severity of judgment and the beauty of grace and mercy. And they live together in paradox in our lives. And on today, there is yet time to repent and bear good fruit. And by God's grace, on tomorrow, there will be yet time to repent and bear good fruit. But there will one day be a time where there is not time. And so Jesus impresses upon us the urgency of always living with a penitent heart, of always living in the right attitude. And that is with gratitude for God's grace. St. Augustine said that the manure in this story with which the gardener meant to fertilize the fig tree is our humility. And another commentator wrote that, that it is the very blood of Christ that nourishes and nurtures our lives that fosters any kind of good fruitfulness in our lives at all. And humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less, often. I read an article this past week about the eight things or, or, or not the only eight things, but eight things, indicators of, of, of how healthy your church might be. Is it growing and vibrant or is it not? This focused on, on the not. And, and it told me that focusing on my preferences kills ministry. And here's why. My preference for worship would be just like the monks of the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky. It begins this way. Oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. I like it because it's one note. And I can usually stay on one note all the way through. <laughs> but it doesn't really translate outside the monastery. I have tried. Most of it belongs right where it is. And being one who is not called or given the grace, the gifting, to live in that vocation, I get to go there and celebrate that all day long for about a week every year. And then I get to come home and worship the way we do here. And I am thankful because um, most Folks can go and worship at a monastery for a little bit, and then they got to come home. Because that every day, all day long, isn't for everybody. 
and that would drive us away. What Jesus is telling us is that it's not about us and focusing on God as is the, God, the call in Lent to focus our lives on God, that is the call of worship and ministry and life. The psalm assigned for this day begins this way, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Continues in verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call upon your name. My soul is satisfied with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed. And meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. You see, our task is to labor without having all of the answers. And our work is for a future that is not ours to control. We show up and we work together focusing on God. God's love for us and for all. And God's desire for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we release the outcome. I mean, we can't make a tree bear fruit any more than we can cause ourselves to bear fruit. It's the Spirit's work among us and in us and through us and sometimes in spite of us to build this thing called the kingdom. I mean, that's how we're taught to pray, isn't it? Not, not my kingdom or our kingdom, but thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth here in our lives and in the life of this city and every city even as it is in heaven Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.